Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Marty Harding, and welcome back to another episode of Animation and Beyond. Yes, and on this episode, we're being nostalgic, talking about how you and others around our ages remember when things were different a long time ago. That's right. We're going back in time to talk about the technology that helped us consume media when we were kids in the early 2000s. For those who don't know, I am 22. I was born in 1999. And Ezra... I was born in 1996. That's right. So we really came up in the age of a really rapid advancement of technology, specifically with computerization of things. So we're going to talk about some of the non-computerized technology we remember. Or some early computerized technology, which is different from and less advanced than the stuff now. Exactly. So we're being nostalgic, as Ezra said, for old times. Before we get to that, though, we do have a word of the day. I got this right here, man. It's time for word of the day, new words. You can say new words for your rhymes and for your wordplay. By the time you leave this video, you'll be smarter than you was before. It's time for word of the day. Our words. word of the day is, Ezra? Analog. Analog. And the definition of analog is of, relating to, or being a mechanism or device in which information is represented by continuously variable physical quantities. That was the adjective definition. The, the noun definition is a person or thing seen as comparable to another. That's right. And both of those are kind of complicated. So Ezra, can you give us a definition in your own words that's maybe simplifying? VHS, very different from today's DVD, Blu-ray disc, and 4K Ultra HD, as well as digital and streaming. Yeah, digitized technology involves the elimination of the physical mechanisms of older technology. So when things are analog, it means they're using physically represented pieces of information within them, whether that be the tape that you see inside of VHS. These are analog aspects rather than being digitized where things are functionally invisible, if that makes sense. Yeah. What are a few more examples of analog technology, Ezra? Older versions of like Mac and Windows computers from they had like from the 90s and the 2000s or flip phones before there were smartphones. Yes. So some of the technology in those things was definitely analog, like old computers. That's why they were so big. Have you seen those photos of computers that took up an entire room, Ezra? Huh, yeah. Compared to what computers are like now that wouldn't take up that much space. Yeah, computers these days are tiny. They can fit in our little smartphones. They can fit in our watches. Everywhere now. Yeah, but they weren't always like that because they had analog components to them where you needed physical space in order to make functions happen. So if you hear that word in the future, you'll know what it means. And you'll know that it's probably talking about an older version of something because, frankly, we don't have a lot of technology th these days that is analog. So... Yeah, that's old school, old fashioned now, kind of obsolete. Yeah. Analog is a great other word for old school. <laughs> and that is your word of the day. Shall we get into our feature presentation, Ezra? Yes. What would you like to start off with in terms of older technology you remember? Let's start with VHS. The VHS. 
an old rectangular black tape. What I remember about the VHS is the way that you would pop it into the player and it would get sucked in there and you'd hear it start to whir as the tape was being read. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember them, especially from a lot of VHS tapes, like older films, like Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Dumbo, Peter Pan, The Little Mermaid and things like that. I remember those fun previews that would play before the features. That's right. All of the VHSs had previews programmed into them. So when you watched a movie, you'd watch the trailers first. And that's how you watch trailers because there was no YouTube. So you weren't watching ads on YouTube. I know. And just to get you excited for things that were coming out. Yeah. And that's how they got you to go and buy more VHS tapes. And I remember the voiceover was a man whose name was Mark Elliott. That's right. In a lot of specifically Disney films and Disney advertisements and trailers, Mark Elliott was... And some non-Disney. And some non-Disney. Mark Elliott was the voice that said, and now our feature presentation, just like we do on this show. For instance, I remember he was the voiceover for many of these promos, like the original Toy Story trailer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I associate him just with those intros, like the intro to the Muppets movie where you just hear a voice narrating. Or the original trailer for The Little Mermaid, for example. Yeah. So VHS was the original medium for a lot of these earlier Disney films that we've talked about on Animation and Beyond. I know, and I remember them. Mark Elliott, I remember, passed away this past year at the age of 81, but he brought a lot of fun and joy to our childhood from a lot of these previews and promos and things we all remember as kids. He did. And it's pretty cool that his voice was one of the first to really be preserved in that many films and videos through the VHS tape. Even though people don't use VHS tapes as much anymore, they're definitely still around. They're just a lot more rare and a lot more valuable now. Yes, I know. And I remember besides things for Disney, I remember VHS was for a lot of children's shows I watched as little kids, which early childhood shows such as Sesame Street, Thomas and Friends, Barney and things like that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that was when all those shows were getting big. And so they needed a way to transport them right into people's homes when they weren't just being played on TV. And, you know, Ezra, I was reading about how all just about all of the most popular and the most sold VHS tapes were kids films. So some of the ones that you listed, like The Little Mermaid and Aladdin Top Gun and the Independence Day were also in there, and those aren't kids' films. But most of the top ten were kids' were kids' films, specifically Disney or Pixar, specifically Disney. And did you know that VHS tapes right now are selling for about thousands of dollars? Ooh, wow! They're old-fashioned. Why do people sell them for that much? Well, because they're more rare. A lot of them have been lost, broken, or destroyed because we have new forms of technology and new ways to watch movies. So I read an article about how the most expensive VHS tape ever sold was a VHS of Top Gun, an original one from the 1980s, and it sold for $8,200. Can you believe that? Yes. Because as technology progresses, forms of old technology, for those who are nostalgic, become more and more valuable because they're not as common and they're not being made anymore. I know. Yes, that's for sure. I know they were at somewhere called Blockbuster, which we remember. 
Oh yeah, Blockbuster. I used to go there all the time as a kid. Yeah, I mean, Taylor, I remember there was another video store, which wasn't as, which didn't compete as well as Blockbuster did, called Hollywood Video. That's right. I remember Hollywood Video too. How often would you say you went to Blockbuster, Ezra? Like every week of my life where I would spend hours browsing through these titles and I would just look at the back of the video, which it says in my dad's memoir following Ezra that I would read in the running times on the back and see how long a film is. That's right. And because you have an incredible memory, you preserved all of those run times and that's how you know them all now, huh? I remember, yes. And didn't Blockbuster later start getting into renting DVDs? Yes, when DVDs started to become a thing, I remember, yes. And also Blu-rays when they were fairly new at the time. Yeah. And so what's the difference between VHS tapes and DVDs and Blu-rays? VHS tapes are tapes and Blu-ray discs and DVDs are digital and they're discs and they're round. And what's the difference between how they convey information? Do you know? Like they come with menus with special features and you use a remote, unlike a VCR. That's right. So you're able to interact with them and they're able to take in information as well as giving it out. Yeah. So when you could watch, so when you were watching the movie, you were able to hit pause on a button. Yeah, that's right. And I know Blu-ray player, Blu-ray discs have a lot of things DVDs don't have, like live content or whatever and things like that, that aren't, that only are available on Blu-ray discs. So Blu-ray discs got us a little bit closer to the idea of streaming, huh? That's right, yeah. And I remember at the same time, before there was VHS, there was laser discs. What was the difference between laser discs and CDs? Laser discs were bigger and they were less advanced. They were the first disc shape form of consuming media, huh? Yeah, yeah. They were like the size of record vinyl discs. That's right. Did you watch anything on laser discs, Ezra? Not that I know of, but my parents remember them. Me, not so much. Got it. Yeah, I mostly remember CDs, DVDs, and Blu-ray discs. Yeah. With a few VHS tapes when I was really little. I think we had our VHS tape player till I was around nine years old. Yeah, I think I had mine until I was like maybe 14 or 15. Got it. I, I still have some old VHS tapes of some old Disney movies like Alice in Wonderland, The Little Mermaid, The Jungle Book, and some others. Well, it sounds like those are really valuable, Ezra. So definitely hang on to them because they're only going to get more valuable. I know. What about early video games, Ezra? What were the platforms for early video games? I remember when I was little playing a lot of fun educational kids video games. Like what? Jumpstart, Read a Rabbit, Humongous Entertainment, Living Books and things like that. I remember the big one for me was Leapfrog. Yes, Leapfrog still does those things today, but they're mostly on tablets which are very ipad like yeah exactly so it's cool that that brand is still around and has adapted their educational games to the technology of today but when they started out what was the format for those kinds of educational games ezra cartridges like they did on early nintendo and sega consoles yeah and cartridges kind of looked like smaller vhs's they had to do less legwork because they were producing less on smaller platforms but they still had a physical tape that ran inside them. Yes, but I'm talking about old computer games, for instance. Got it. So what games did you play on CD-ROM? Like Jumpstart games, for instance, that were fun and educational. Or the sister franchise, Math Blaster. Yeah. And what does CD-ROM stand for? ROM stood for Read Only Memory, 
Yeah. Why do you think with the advent of CD-ROM, we began to see more and more educational video games as opposed to early video games that had no educational component whatsoever? Well, some of them like Reader Rabbit and Math Blaster did start in the 80s, but were different from later. But why do you think they became more popular with CD-ROM? Because at the time it was already CDs were already starting to become a big thing. Yeah. And so it was a natural transition that as these discs for videos and TV were becoming more popular, you had to transfer games to to discs as well. Yeah, I know. You can also remember Living Book series, which were interactive games to play and read along in, in stories. And Disney did something too called Disney's Animated Storybook Series. That's right. So you'd have a mouse on the computer and the computer would have a cartridge in it and that cartridge was allowing you to play the video game. They mean not cartridge, disc, you mean? Yes. Some of those classic educational game franchises from the 90s and 2000s from this past decade had got newer versions, but as apps for like iOS and Android and things like that. That's right. It's wild to me to think that kids these days who are young and who are doing Reader Rabbit or Jumpstart are tapping away at those same games and those same books, but on an iPad or on an app. But there's newer ones now that make that kind of stuff that that companies now that are more modern compared to classic ones. Yeah, but it's interesting because those companies now, the educational learning application companies, have to compete with things like YouTube and the internet, which make educational entertainment so easy. As easy as clicking on a video and watching it. Yeah, that's right. I hope that those educational games don't completely get outdone by YouTube because they definitely are a little more focused than what you can find just searching for information on YouTube. I know that I get pretty distracted when I go on YouTube, even if I'm just trying to learn something. And I like how a lot of these old obsolete things have even gotten newer versions for newer platforms. Yep. And, you know, a great example of this, too, is how we listen to music. Yes, like when I was a little kid, I had a bunch of like kids music and audio cassettes that told stories of children's picture books, which they still do that today, but it's all digital now, like from, for instance, Audible or things like that. Yeah, now there's so many different ways to access books, but I remember it being a huge deal when you could listen to a book on CD instead of having to listen to a book on tape. Yes, I remember. Like, I remember on an old play school tape recorder I had where you could put in cassette tape to listen to songs or listen to stories in those. For instance, I had cassette tapes for classic children's books like Curious George, Dr. Seuss, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, Stella Luna, and some others. But the tricky thing about cassette tapes was that it was really hard to make those cassette tapes mobile. So I remember it was a big deal when you were able to listen to the book on CDs because you could fit CDs into your little fanny pack CD players. Yeah. And then people could carry them around with them. Yeah, I know. And Disney, I know, had still does read-along books and CDs, but a lot of them are also digital now as well. And for some time, even VeggieTales did ones like a few like those from back late in the 90s and early 2000s. That's right. All those companies who are producing content and media and who are branching out away from just straight movies and TVs and were going into these other more interactive platforms were adapting their technology to what was coming out. So whether it be a new gaming technology like we talked about last week with Sonic the Hedgehog or a new 
cassette or a new CD, you know, all of these companies had to get on board with what was happening in technology. And so that's why we have all these games on all these different media of consumption. And I, when I was a little kid, I had a few, I had some cassette tapes, like one that had some kid songs sung by the Sesame Street Muppets of Sesame Street, mm. like Big Bird, Elmo, Oscar the Grouch, and all those others. I remember I had mostly CDs, but my favorite CDs were Broadway's Hits for Kids, which was Kids Pop Kids singing Broadway tunes. Do you remember Kids Bop? Yeah, they still do them today, but they're digital now, and now they have a YouTube channel, and you can see videos of them. I know. I also remember on CDs listening to kids' music of, like, kids' songs and nursery rhymes when I was a little kid. Oh, yeah. They would make entire CDs of nursery rhymes being read. I have a question for you, Ezra. What do you think is the last CD you had? I, I don't really remember, though. But one CD I remember having was one that had songs that were hits from the 1950s and 60s. They still, you can still listen to music in, when you're in cars now, but it's all digital now and you access it from like your phone and things like that. Yeah, unless you have an older car. So my car is from 2003 and it very much still has a cassette player. So I had to buy one of those converters where you put a cassette tape into the car cassette player and then it has a wire that comes out of the player and I plug that wire into my phone and that's how I'm able to play music. There's nothing digital about my music system in my car from 2003. Oh, yeah. But in newer, newer cars has have digital Bluetooth music systems like you're talking about. Like it's wireless. Exactly. But I was going to say the most recent CD I acquired was actually the soundtrack of Hamilton. Someone gave me the CD of the soundtrack of Hamilton. That's nice, huh? Yeah, but that was still back in what? 2015 what year did yeah. they come out they still technically make cds but fewer now a lot fewer and i think just like vhs's because they're becoming more rare they're a lot more valuable and for nostalgic people um, in recent years companies like disney and other record labels have done like reproduced versions of old record discs and they've done record players but are compatible with digital devices Oh, cool. So it sounds like a record player is playing it, but you're actually playing it from your phone? Yeah, you're making it look old-fashioned. Oh, cool. I like how things are being adapted for both the nostalgic folks who long for more simpler technology and yet still making th things accessible to people who want the ease of access that the newer technology has. Like the newer, younger ones, which it would be easier for, who wouldn't be so big on the older, obsolete stuff. Absolutely. Or should I say absolutely? Good one, Ezra. <laughs> things have things over the last 20 years have changed really quickly, I think. And games, especially like online, like in the 90s and the 2000s were different from what they're like today, especially with social media and apps you use and can connect with on other devices where you can do these things on more than one device through your accounts, it wasn't so advanced then compared to what it's like now. Absolutely. Everything's come a long way in terms of ease of access and in terms of just the power that we have in our devices, the amount of people we're able to connect with over these, over these, through these technologies. This was a fun and nostalgic podcast comparing to what the world was like then compared to what it's like today. And by then you mean only really 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 to 30 years ago. It's crazy to think how quickly things have improved and how different things are now 
in terms of accessing information and playing games from when we were kids in the early 2000s and late 90s. Or watching videos and stuff. All that stuff was different compared to what it's like today with today's alternatives. Exactly. Great. So before we wrap up, we have to get to last week's trivia question, which was... What actors were considered for the role of the genie in Aladdin before Robin Williams was cast? And the answer is... George Went, John Goodman, Eddie Murphy, the late John Candy, the late Rodney Dangerfield, Dan Aykroyd, the late Phil Hartman, Steve Hartman, Steve Martin, John Lovitz, the late Chris Farley, the late Don Rickles, the late Jerry Siller, and the late Dom DeLuise. Wow, that's a lot of famous actors. And so for this week's trivia question... most valuable VHS tape was sold for $8,200. What is the highest price you can get for a CD now? Know the answer? We'll let you know what it is in the next episode of our podcast. That's right. And thanks for listening to this episode. See you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.